Well, Pitt lost again in pretty much the most Pitt way possible. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and in this episode we're going to be talking about the Panthers' loss to Boston College in overtime, 31-30. to That was the most Pitt ending that I have seen in years. The last time I could think of something that bad for football was the Notre Dame game in, I believe, 2012. Might have been 2013. No, I think it was 2012. And Kevin Harper missed the kick, and uh, Pitt lost in, I believe, three overtimes in South Bend. That was the last time that there was something that seemed this bad. Now, the stakes weren't quite as high this time because Boston College not at the level of Notre Dame, but... To lose in that fashion was just so absurd that only it only makes sense for Pitt. And so, of course, it had to happen. Uh, if, for some reason, you didn't watch the game, if you forgot what happened, Alex Kessman, the kicker for Pitt, struggled a bit early in the game. Then they needed him in the final minute of the fourth quarter. They needed to tie the game to send it into overtime. And after what was, you know, a pretty poor game for Alex Kessman, he had missed two field goals, he he drilled it. And it was a, a very long field goal. But in the final minute of the game, he had a 58-yard field goal to send Pitt into overtime. It was pretty remarkable that he was able to do that, considering just earlier in the game, he had missed easier, shorter uh, field goal attempts. But he hits this 58-yarder in the final minute of regulation, sends it into overtime, and Boston College gets a touchdown to start overtime. Pitt has the ball to send it into double overtime. They get the touchdown, and they've climbed the mountain, and everything seems, everyone's sort of stunned that Pitt was able to do it and extend this game. And I think just when everyone let their guard down, assuming that Pitt actually did their job, uh, then Alex Kessman who hit the clutch field goal to send Pitt into overtime, misses a routine extra point. And the Panthers lose by one single point in overtime. Just absolutely brutal. Again, it was something that even Pitt fans, who who think of all the ways that Pitt can lose, I don't think anyone really thought of that. I think everyone realized... Okay, Kessman, he's going to miss the field goal at the end because, of course, he is. It's not his day, or something else is going to happen in the fourth quarter, or within 50 something seconds, Boston College is going to win in regulation, or uh, that Pitt is going to give up the touchdown to Boston College in overtime and not score one of their own. When Pitt scored the touchdown, when they got into the end zone in overtime, uh, when Pitt threw to Taysir Mack, I don't think anyone thought that. That, that there was a chance that Kessman would miss. It just didn't enter anyone's minds, uh, I don't think. And yet, uh, that's that's what happened. The impossible happened, and it's it's tough to believe, but that's what happened. And so Pitt, they, they just always seem to find new and improved ways to, to lose a game and to do the unexpected. And in this particular case... It was just absolutely absurd. And I would say just heartbreaking, if not for the fact that Pitt fans have essentially turned into the Joker. Uh, 
at this point. I mean, Pitt fans, in certain cases, there's it's just devastating because you have something huge on the line or you could accomplish something huge. When you talk about that Notre Dame game, Notre Dame was ranked, uh, I think, number three in the country at the time. They went on to be ranked number two, make it to the national championship game. There are... In a lot of these cases, there's a lot on the line. Pitt basketball, when they played Syracuse, number one at the Pete, and Tyler Ennis hits the buzzer beater. There's a lot on the line. In this case, there's not much on the line. No one else really cares except for Pitt fans. And so I think because of that, you can't even be devastated, and you're not even going to be mad, so you sort of just go crazy. (laughs) You go crazy because you've seen this so many times before, and... It's it's just gotten to the point that it is fairly absurd, and uh, you know that's that's basically where things are with this pit program. That for a lot of people, things are just so absurd that you can't be angry, you can't be sad, you can't be gutted. You just sort of lose your mind. You've witnessed so much chaos that you turn into the Joker. And I think for a lot of Pitt fans, that's where they are, and and you cannot blame them one bit when you talk about how insane of an ending that was, that your kicker, who's missed two field goals, hits a a record field goal distance kick to send you into overtime, and then blows it in uh, overtime by missing a routine extra point. It's just so wild, so absurd. But, of course, it happens because it's Pitt, and so everyone has just lost their minds, and it, it makes a lot of sense. In terms of what, what this means for the Panthers, I mean, th- this team is overrated. At least they were. I mean, and I'll admit, I overrated this team. It does feel like a different team from the first three weeks to the last two. I will say that. It feels like it is just a different football team. In the first three weeks, this looked like a team that was, I explained it in in the podcast after those first three games, sort of what Narduzzi was building toward. And each week it sort of dwindled a little bit, but it was still there. And what that means is you've got an excellent defense that's going to put a ton of pressure and really, uh, you know, get after the quarterback and and cause havoc. You've got an offense that's going to be run first and they can establish the run, and then Kenny Pickett, your senior quarterback, is going to be able to get it done. And in week one, it seemed, yeah, that's exactly what this team is. And they executed to perfection. In week two, it seemed, okay, that's what this team is. And they executed pretty darn well. And they they got a win. Week three is, okay, maybe that's not exactly what this team is. The run game is struggling. The defense wasn't stellar. But they were able to get the job done. And then week four, it just sort of falls off a cliff. The defense isn't that good. The run game is completely non-existent. The play calling isn't there. Kenny Pickett's the only one doing anything on offense. And in week five, it was pretty much the same. The defense stepped up more, uh, but it, it was pretty much the same story. So you go from a team that looks like it's got one of the best defenses in the nation and a capable offense that's led by its running game to a good defense and an offense that looks, yet again, pretty anemic outside of Kenny Pickett. And so that means that even though these are two one-point losses, that we overrated this Pitt team when they were 3-0. and And even entering this season, I think most people entering this season, before everyone got hyped up after Austin P or Syracuse, whatever, entering the season, and you look at those first five games, I think everyone would have said, you've got to go 4-1. and one. And they went three and two. And I know they're one point losses, but those those points add up. 
and and it doesn't matter how badly you win or how badly you lose. That those just count as losses. And Pitt lost both of those games. And so because of that, Pitt doesn't have a shot at sniffing any sort of top 25, doesn't have a shot at any ACC championship hope. I don't think any of us really thought that Pitt was going to get there, but at least maybe in the hunt for it. Well, now you've got two losses in the conference. That's completely gone. So And, and a lot of the individual units on the team just don't seem to be that good, and we seem to overrate them. Start with the running game. It's just not there. The running game was, it's been non-existent for a couple weeks now. The offensive line is just not very good. You, you can't really say much about the offensive line. They haven't really been able to protect Kenny Pickett or give him much time. And the in terms of the run game, they just cannot create any space, any holes for the running backs. And then to cap it all off, you've got Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator now in his second year. And I've said it before, he's not as bad as Sean Watson, his predecessor at offensive coordinator, but he's he's not good. And for Pitt, that is really troubling because they haven't been able to get a good, even like a competent offensive coordinator since Matt Canada. That was years ago. And it doesn't matter how great the defense is going to be on any given uh, Saturday. This offense has not looked stellar. And certainly the run game. And some of these play calls that you see from Mark Whipple just don't really make any sense. They're running horizontally instead of down the field. Uh, they'll There's third and long, and they dump it out into the flat. Just a lot of major question marks. And so there are a lot of problems with this pit team that where it seems that we have overrated them, both just as, as a team, but then also individual units and players and things like that. I will say there were a couple bright spots for Pitt. Yet again, Pickett had a good game. Pickett did pretty much what he needed to do. He did make a couple of mistakes. There was a bad interception in there. And, uh, you know, towards the end, it looked like maybe that was the game when he took uh, a sack that looked like it was going to knock Pitt out of field goal range. And Alex Kessman bailed him out. But in a position where the only thing he couldn't do was take a sack, Kenny Pickett took a sack. And that's something you cannot have from your senior quarterback captain uh, at this point. But outside of a couple bad plays, and those plays were bad, that sack, I really thought that was going to cost Pitt the game. Like I said, Kessman bailed him out with that bomb of a field goal to get Pitt into overtime. But that was a horrible sack that he took. But for the most part, Kenny Pickett did what he had to do. He went out there. He really led this team. He made some gutsy plays. He was able to move and scramble when he needed to, which was a lot. He ended up having two touchdowns passing, one touchdown running. He had uh, just under 300 total yards. So Kenny Pickett did what he had to do. And on defense, not everyone was great, but a couple people really stood out. Patrick Jones was phenomenal. He had three sacks individually. So Patrick Jones had a great day. He really seems uh, like an excellent player. And uh, uh, on top of that, you've got Servassier Dennis, who is uh, looks extremely promising. He, he's, a, he's a young player. He's a new guy. He's a sophomore. And he really sort of stepped up. He had 10 total tackles in that game. And so you talk about some of these older guys on the defensive end and and how Pitt's going to miss them moving forward. Sarasi Dennis is going to be around for the next few years, and, and he seems like a really good fledgling defensive player. And so there were some bright spots, but overall, this team just 
didn't get it done. They weren't atrocious, just like they weren't atrocious against NC State. There were some really maddening parts of both games, some bad plays, some bad play calls, some bad flags and penalties, some bad decisions. In neither game were they atrocious, as evidenced by the fact that they only lost by a point in each. But you just can't lose both of those games by a point. You just can't come so close to a team that you should be beating, two teams that that you should be beating, and still lose. You just can't have it. And for the Panthers, like I said, I mean, this seems to be the same thing (laughs) over and over and over again, which is that this team... They'll come close. They'll be in just about every game. Almost every single game is close when you're talking about the Panthers. But for whatever reason, Pitt never seems to be able to just have a good day. Just have a good day where everything clicks and you don't have any complaints. The closest thing you get, and again, talking about conference, you're not talking about like Austin P. But Syracuse was the closest so far this year, and even that had a good amount of problems. Pitt ended up winning that game fairly comfortably, uh, but you know it was not a complete blowout. They won by 11 points. It, it There were certainly still problems, and Pitt just can't seem to have a good day all around where everything is good. And you talk about this heartbreak and losing both of these games by a single point. Pitt has more losses by a touchdown or less in the past decade than any other team in the country. Pitt has had, in the last decade, 32 losses by a touchdown or less. That is unbelievable. Now, they've had a fair amount of wins by a touchdown or less. Again, Pitt, even when they win... It's it's almost never comfortable. You almost always are going to be sweating and taking years off of your life. But too often, Pitt is losing these games where it comes right down to it. And I'll admit that Pat Narduzzi has been better than his predecessors, better than Todd Graham, better than Paul Christ at these tough games because those guys seem to never be able to win the close games that came right down to it. Narduzzi does sometimes. And they did it against Louisville this year, and that seemed to be a big win at the time. But in these last two weeks, these last two games, when it comes down to one point, it's a game of inches, and Pitt lost both times to teams that they should have beaten. Again, Pitt has lost these close games more than any program in the nation over the past decade. Just absurd when you really think about it. And when you look at the program as a whole, you talk about what does this mean for Pitt, what does this mean for Pat Narduzzi, it's tough. Because this is Pat Narduzzi's sixth season. This is supposed to be his best team. The team that was foretold. The team that everyone was promised. And they just... They're they're not as good as we expected. They're not quite there. They're not all there. And you have to wonder, is this the peak? Is this the best that it's going to get? Is this level of talent on the defensive end, and maybe even the offensive end, is this as good as it's going to get for the Panthers? Is whatever, however this schedule plays out in this season, whatever their record, is that going to be sort of the peak? Or really was the peak a couple years ago when he got eight wins? Was a good team his peak? Will he ever be able to get a great team? Because this was supposed to be that year, even with the tough schedule. I think in 11 games, there were three teams that you could confidently say were better than Pitt, at least how things are playing out. 
which would be Clemson, Notre Dame, and Miami. But even if that's the case, now you're talking about eight and three. If Pitt went eight and three this year with losses to three ranked, extremely good teams, I think everyone would be okay with that. And or you know, even if you beat one of them and then lose to a lesser team, if you get eight wins in this eleven game schedule, that is a great team. Even though obviously. Normally, eight wins, you know, he's done that once before. But in this particular case, with this tough of a schedule, eight wins says, yeah, this is the team that everyone sort of expected. That when you bring all these great defensive players back, this is year six with Narduzzi, he should get eight wins. And I could even see seven being acceptable. Seven wins is, okay, they're not as great as everyone hoped, but, you know, it was a tough schedule, tough year, tough everything. You got seven wins in an 11-game schedule. That's fine. But right now they're at three. And the next two games are incredibly difficult for the Panthers. Because coming up next week, you're playing Miami on the road. A Miami team that looks very good this year. And then the week after that, you're playing Notre Dame, which is a top-five team in the country. And then you've got Florida State, that should be fairly easy. Georgia Tech, not too easy, and it's on the road, so we'll see. Virginia Tech, who's ranked right now, and then Clemson, who's the best team in the nation. So I'm not going to say that Pitt isn't going to win another game this year. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they win one. In fact, they probably win two more games this year. But still, that that's five games. That is five wins in an 11-game schedule. This team, if they really wanted to prove they were great, that's a minimum of seven wins, if not eight. If this was supposed to be peak Narduzzi, the year that everything has been put together, it's a full recruiting cycle, you know, over four years that he's been the head coach. The defense is there. You've got these guys back. The offense, you've got a senior starting quarterback. This is the year. And if you can't get seven or eight wins in an 11-game schedule, then there are serious questions about what is the peak and have you already peaked? And where does Pitt go from here? Do you just accept in this season that you were supposed to have everything put together that in an 11-game schedule, you're going to win five games? That's tough. I don't know exactly what you do, but that's tough because these next two weeks are going to be very difficult for Pitt to get a win. Miami and Notre Dame, a lot of times they're overrated and you see flaws. I don't think either one's overrated this year. Now, Pitt can still win because Pitt beats teams that are that are better than they are. That's their MO. Just like they lose to teams that are worse than they are, they beat teams that uh, that are better than they are. So I could definitely see Pitt beating one of these two teams to sort of even everything out. But if you look at things conventionally, and I know Pitt is never conventional, as evidenced by losing the past two games by a point each, then you're looking at maybe two more wins on this schedule. And if you've got five wins, six you don't feel great about, but five or fewer then there are going to be some serious questions about Pat Narduzzi and how hot his seat should be because it's his sixth year, because he's got a senior quarterback because that, that's that been uh, starting for three years plus a game when he was a freshman, because the defense was supposed to be stacked, because you have all these things together. If the best you can do when you put it all together is five wins, five and six, I, I don't know. That's going to be tricky. And some people on Twitter and everything on Pitt Twitter started to speculate who's out there. And you're talking Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. I don't think he jumps there for, for Pitt. I mean, he's got Cincinnati ranked right now. And I know he's an Ohio guy. And I don't think Ohio State's going to open up anytime soon. But 
still, I don't know if he jumps from Cincinnati for that job. We've seen in the past people at sort of those upper mid-level programs like Cincinnati, whether it's football or basketball, they don't jump unless it's really the perfect fit because they don't have to. They can keep winning there and exceeding expectations. And then when there's the perfect fit, then they can jump. We saw it uh, from Cincinnati in basketball that uh, that that finally Mick Cronin, who was there forever, stayed there for a while and then eventually jumped to UCLA, a premier program. So when you're in that position, you can afford to wait. I don't know if Luke Fickle jumps uh, for Pitt. You're talking about if Tom Herman maybe gets fired at Texas, maybe because he uh, you know came from Ohio State. Maybe there's a fit there. But, you know, it's mixed. On one hand, you, you could say with all the resources at Texas, if you can't win there, can you trust him to win here? On the other hand, you could say, well, Texas is cursed. But then on that same hand, you could say Pitt is cursed. Another one, maybe Joe Moorhead, former offensive coordinator at Penn State, went down to Mississippi State, did a solid job as head coach. They fired him, in my opinion, too early. And uh, now he's the offensive coordinator at Oregon. But again, he's not necessarily going to jump from that job. Uh, he, he might. He might, and that's someone who you can try for and, and see if uh, there's something there. You know, he's a Northeast guy. He went to Fordham. But it's not a guarantee. That's not a, a home run necessarily. And again, he's in a job where if you're the offensive coordinator at Oregon, they're always going to have a good offense. And so he can sort of wait for the perfect head coaching job. So there's no one necessarily obvious and you don't know if anyone is definitely going to be better than Pat Narduzzi. So you're just sort of in this frustration zone where you've got this coach who people want to see succeed, but you just don't know if he has already peaked. And if this is what he's going to be, if these last few years of Pitt, if that's going to be the peak, is that acceptable? Do you keep giving him extensions for that? Or do you try to make a change and see what happens? And I don't know. I mean, there's still a lot of season left. And of course, the financials are going to play a big part of it. But it just, you you don't want to be asking those questions. If you're Pat Narduzzi, if you're the media, if you're Heather Like, you just don't want to be asking those questions. You want to feel confident that you have got the right coach and that this team hasn't peaked and that this team has a lot that they can still accomplish. But after the last couple weeks, it is just not looking great. And and with these next two weeks, that's the other big thing. If they lost those two games but had a couple winnable games, you know, extremely winnable games coming up here, then that'd be one thing. But you lose two winnable games by a point each, and then you've got two of the toughest games, two of the, the toughest teams in the country that you are facing, one of which on the road in these next two weeks. So it is extremely possible, you could say likely, that Pitt is going to lose four games in a row. And that's the problem. These two losses are bad, but then you tie that into four losses in a row, and now you're three and four. That's atrocious, and that you can't have. So there's that concern. We're going to be keeping an eye on that moving forward after each game. We'll talk about that after uh, next weekend, after the Miami game. But there's the big question of, has Pat Narduzzi and his administration, have they peaked? And what is the level of acceptability? If you think they have, if you're starting to accept that they have, what is the level of acceptability for what you should expect? Is this okay, or do you try to to shake things up and make a change? As of now, I don't think that's the case. I think 
you've got to get a new offensive coordinator and you've got to nail the hire. He's had a couple of tries and he has not gotten it right. He has not gotten it right with Sean Watson. He has not gotten it right with Mark Whipple. I think maybe you at least give it one more year and try to make a change there and see what happens. But man, it things are just not in a good spot right now because they're not so bad that there's definitely going to be a change and you know and and you know that that things are terrible. But they're not so good that you should be that, that you are where you want to be because Pitt is not where they should be and not where they want to be. And so that's a major problem. And so we'll see. This and these next two games are going to be huge. If they can pull out a win against Miami or Notre Dame, then everything changes. Then we're talking about hey, season's back on track. Narduzzi can win big games, and those two losses were a fluke. They were just by a point each. But more than likely, they will lose both games, and then the questions will get louder and louder. But we'll be here on this podcast on Unscripted after each game. We will be here, uh, I believe, uh, next Monday. We'll be ba- we will be back to talk about the Miami game. We'll see what happens. Huge game for the Panthers. Uh, Panther of the week, by the way, Patrick Jones with those three sacks. He was stellar. So he is Panther of the week. Uh, again, we'll be back next week. You can follow me on Twitter. And, uh, uh, in the meantime, at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. You can also check out Cardiac Hill, comment, uh, and subscribe to the podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, search for Cardiac Hill. You can subscribe and you get the podcast right to your phone anytime they are published. So until next week, we'll see if Pitt can uh, pull off the impossible and if the super weapon can charge and beat Miami. Until next week, I'm Corey Cohen signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.